isn't it great to worship God together? Isn't it awesome to sing his praises? Well, now you and I have an opportunity to study scripture together. And so last week, uh, EFC started a new teaching series, a four-part series called Our Source of Power in Weakness. And so it's going to continue for four weeks through Easter Sunday, Our Source of Power in Weakness. Last week, we kicked off this four-part series by studying Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 5 together. And the title um, of that was Powerful Promises. And the big idea of that text was that God promises his presence, his affection, his protection, and his salvation. Now today, what we're going to look at together is the idea of powerful prayer. That's the title of the sermon, Powerful Prayer. And believe it or not, that is the theme here at EFC for the year of 2020. Hard to believe, but months ago, well before coronavirus came on the scene here in America, God told us to make the theme of this year rooted in prayer. And so I think you uh, would agree with me now more than ever, we as the people of God need to be rooted in prayer. This is actually an opportunity for us as our, our lives have been disrupted in significant ways to spend more time growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so this is an opportunity for us to spend more time in God's word, more time in prayer, more time in worship. And so um, I just want us to be thinking about that. And uh, that again came to mind to me just a few days ago, uh, one of my relatives who lives in the South, I won't say where, but one of my relatives sent me an email. And I'm just going to read you a brief excerpt from that. But what he said to me was profound and timely. This is what my relative said. He said, quote, maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on, on, on the only thing in the world that really matters. That's Jesus. It's time for the nation to turn their hearts back to Jesus and pray and read your Bible. Amen. And so what we're going to do right now is I invite you to turn with me as we look at this idea of powerful prayer after we looked at last week at the idea of powerful promises. Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Let's take out your Bible and look with me at Acts chapter 4, verse 8, and we're going to look at the first couple verses there, verses 8 through 13. And what I want to do is give you the background before I read that text. So in Acts chapter 2, we have Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit is poured out. Peter preaches an amazing sermon, and the church goes from 120 people. And that day, they add 2,000 people into the church. Then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, two of the key apostles, were going into the temple for worship. They come across a man who is lame. And basically, he's asking for money. And Peter says, look, I don't have money. I don't have gold. I don't have silver. But let me, what I, let me tell you what I do have. And he tells him about Jesus. And then he basically declares and prays for healing over this man. And this uh, lame man gets up and he starts walking and he starts dancing and he starts praising God. 
Now, this guy was a regular in the temple complex. And so uh, basically, as soon as people noticed that the guy who'd been sitting there for years couldn't move and was a beggar is getting up and dancing around and praising God, a huge crowd gathers. And so what Peter does is Peter starts proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gives a bold sermon. He calls for people to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then Peter uh, says, if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are going to experience seasons of refreshing. I don't know about you, but I need a season of refreshment uh, right now. And he says, God's going to send these times and seasons of refreshing until Jesus Christ returns to restore all things, to give us a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. And so then at that point, the religious leaders, the civic leaders come in and they crash the party and they disperse the crowd and they take uh, the apostle John and the apostle Peter, they throw them in prison overnight. And then the next day they drag them out of prison and they march them right up and basically uh, tell them, what are you guys doing? What's going on here? And um, we're going to look at this text in a moment. But what's amazing about this is later on, we're told that two, well, we think around uh, at least hundreds and upwards of 2,000 people came to faith in Christ through their bold evangelism, through their bold sharing of the gospel. Okay, it's important that we understand that. So here's what Peter uh, testifies to. What, here's what he preaches to before the religious leaders in the Sanhedrin here. This is Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're going to quickly look at verses 8 through 13. Acts 4 verses 8 through 13. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, quote, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So point number one, if you want to follow along and take notes, point number one is that only Jesus can heal, save, and impart courage during or in the midst of turmoil. I'll say that again. Only Jesus Okay, can heal, save, and impart courage during a time of turmoil. Now listen to me very carefully, please. During this time, every Christian needs to be praying very fervently that God would protect and use the medical personnel in every community across the United States and across the globe. We need to pray that God protects them and that God uses them to bring healing to all the people who are struggling with COVID-19 or just people that are you know, struggling with regular medical health issues or other kinds of emergencies. 
Okay, we need to pray for their protection. Let's be clear. And secondly, we need to steadfastly follow all the guidelines given to us by our governing authorities so that we can keep other people safe and healthy and not pass on uh, the COVID-19 virus. We need to follow all the precautions laid on us by our government leaders. But here's the deal. Jesus and Jesus alone is the great physician. Jesus and Jesus alone is the only person who's ever existed, the only person in the universe that can literally just zap somebody and heal them instantaneously. Now, a lot of the time, God uses science. He uses medicine. He uses doctors. Okay, he uses the medical system. We need to praise God for the gift of these people, but only Jesus Christ can instantaneously, even through the prayer of another person, touch them and immediately heal them. He's the great physician. Let's never forget that. Amen? Now, that's the first thing. Only Jesus ultimately can heal. Okay, he's at the top of that healing pyramid. Now, second, notice what Peter says here. Peter uh, says that only Jesus Christ can truly save. He says, the name of Jesus of Nazareth is the only name under heaven given to humans that can save people. And so Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us from what I call the terrible triumvirate. The terrible triumvirate, or as we've said in the past, theologians talk about the powers of the world, the flesh, and the devil, or the flesh, the world, and the devil, okay? So firstly, only Jesus Christ can save human beings from our sinful nature. We, when we're born, we're born in bondage to our sinful nature, which is selfish, which is greedy, which will uh, pursue self-preservation at all costs, all right? It's what causes us to be rude and selfish and greedy, et cetera, et cetera. Only Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus, through the cross of Jesus, can can break away the chains of bondage and set us free from what's called the flesh or the sinful nature. Secondly, only Jesus Christ can save us from the power of the world. And, and when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about the people necessarily in the world. It's talking about the corrupt systems in the world, the broken systems in the world, the, the, the governments and, and people in the world and, and those, um, you know, there are bad people. There are bad organizations out there that just want to steal, kill, and destroy. There are people out there that want to use and abuse other people. They want to stomp on the poor and the vulnerable and get rich and powerful at all costs, okay? Only Jesus Christ can overcome the world and overcome the evil, corrupted systems in our world. And then third, only Jesus Christ has overcome through his death and his resurrection the power of the devil, the power of Satan, the power of the demonic, the power of evil in our world, okay? The scriptures talk about, and we'll talk about this in a couple weeks on Easter, right? And Easter is coming, by the way. Resurrection Day is coming on Sunday, the 12th of April. But only Jesus Christ has defeated the powers of Satan and, and demons and the evil systems in our world. Amen? Amen. Only Jesus has the power to truly save us from the, the terrible triumvirate. And then third here, I want you to look with me at verse 13. This is great. I love this. Look with me at verse 13. We see here this ordinary man named Peter, right? We're told that he's just ordinary. Peter and John are ordinary, okay? They're not rocket scientists. They're not all world athletes, okay? They're, they're not, you know, hedge fund 
uh, billionaires. They're not built like models. They're not tall, dark, and handsome. They're ordinary men. They're common people, just like the vast majority of us. 99.99% of the world population are just ordinary people. But you know what? They were ordinary most of the time, but they were extraordinary when it mattered most. They were common most of the time, but they were uncommon when it mattered most. And what does it tell us here? They had an uncommon courage. They had an extraordinary courage, right? It says they were, they were surprised because these ordinary men had this extraordinary courage. Now, what is courage? How would we define courage? Let me just give you two quick de- definitions I really um, have come to appreciate. The first comes from President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who carried our nation through the Great Depression and a significant part of World War II. This is what Franklin Delano Roosevelt said. He said, quote, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear, unquote. Something else is more important than fear. And then uh, what's more, I'll give you another example. Nelson Mandela, one of my heroes, uh, said this. He said, quote, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. So do you see what's going on here with Peter? Peter showed courage. A common man showed uncommon courage. Why? Because he decided that there was something more important than his fear. And let's be clear, Peter and John had fear. Of course, they were afraid of being imprisoned. Of course, they were afraid of being executed. These are the same religious rulers that are putting them on trial that just uh, previously, and just a short time previously, had uh, beaten, tortured, and crucified and killed their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's not pretend they didn't have fear. They had fear, okay? But here's the deal. They valued something greater than fear. They valued and treasured Jesus Christ so much that they were able to transcend their fear and to live for him and to offer their lives for him and to preach the name of Jesus and to speak the name of Jesus boldly. And because they valued Jesus more than anything else and before anything else, okay? It's important we understand that. Because of that, they triumphed over their fear. Two common, ordinary men became extraordinary because they valued Jesus more than anything else. Jesus was more important to them than anything else. And so they transcended, they triumphed over their fear. Now, let me ask you this. Do you treasure Jesus Christ above anything else, before anything else? Does Jesus Christ mean more to you? Is he more important to you than anything else in your life? Any relationship, any career, any money, even any safety? Because you know what? If, if not, you'll always live in fear. You'll never get that kind of transcendent courage because everything in this life that, that we value more than Jesus Christ can be taken from us. It's insecure. It's uncertain. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ will never be taken from us. Jesus Christ can never be destroyed. Never, Jesus Christ can never be stripped away. Nothing can demean him, break him down, take away any of his glory. And so if you value Jesus Christ more than anything else, if you treasure him more than anything else, if he's more important to you, more vital to you than anything else, even though you and I are common, we will have an uncommon courage. 
And I think you'd agree with me right now, you and I need an uncommon courage. We need to show an uncommon, extraordinary courage more than ever before. Amen? Okay, so the religious leaders then, they warn Peter and John. They say, stop all this baloney about Jesus. Stop talking about him. We don't want to hear about it. This is the last time we're going to warn you. And then they release them, okay? Now, let's look at verses 23 through 31. Here's the, here's the meat, okay? This is Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. It says, on the release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, this is the church now, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And this is what they prayed. Again, this is the only prayer we have recorded in Acts. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Verse 21, or 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't know about you, but that is so inspirational to me. That, like, that gets me pumped up, man. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to charge through a wall when I read that. But I just want to take a few moments and examine really quickly four characteristics of this powerful prayer. Four characteristics of this powerful prayer. And again, this, that's the title of the sermon, Powerful Prayer. A, if you want to take notes, you're following along. A, we see unity. Unity. It says they prayed together in one voice. We'll come back to that in a moment. So they demonstrated this uncommon unity. They prayed together in one voice. Okay, one voice, one prayer, one people together. B, they praised God. Okay, they praised God. They said, sovereign Lord, sovereign God. The, these rulers, God, these, these uh, temple authorities, these civic authorities, they think they're in charge. But God, we know that you're in charge above them. God, we know that no one outranks you. God, we know there's no one more powerful than you. God, we know there is no one that has more authority than you. And so we're going to praise you as such. We're going to worship you as such. And then notice they went on the prayer and they said, even, your, even the death of your son, Jesus, we know was part of your preordained plan. God, it was your power, your sovereignty that, that allowed um, these people. They did an evil thing, but God, it was still part of your plan for them to crucify Christ. And, and that's why we're here today because he was crucified and risen from the dead. So they praise God. They call him sovereign Lord and they praise his greatness and his power. See, we see the third characteristic is empowered witness. 
empowered witness. First, unity. Uh, Secondly, praise. Third, empowered witness. They said, help us to speak your word with great boldness. I just for a moment want to quote New Testament scholar Richard Longenecker, who I think cuts to the quick on what's going on here, what's so beautiful and magnificent and astonishing about this prayer. This is what he says about their prayer. He says, quote, most significant is the fact that these early Christians were not praying for relief from oppression, but for enablement to speak, quote, your word with great boldness. Their concern was for God's word to go forth and for Christ's name to be glorified, leaving to God himself their own circumstances. With such prayer, God is surely pleased. Luke, that is referring to the author of Acts, Luke has evidently taken pains to give us this prayer so that it might serve as something of a pattern to be followed in our own praying. Unquote. Listen, please, very carefully. It's not that the early church cared nothing for their own protection. It's not that the early church was not worried at all about uh, being safe. It's not that the early church was not concerned at all for their well-being. That's not it at all. They did. However, that was not their primary goal. That was not their primary focus. That was not their top priority. Do you know what the top priority of the early church was? It was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was to spread the fame of Jesus Christ. It was to lift high the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and to preach it so that other people would be saved, so that other people would come into relationship with God the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit and be transformed. Do you get it here? For them, their greatest passion, their greatest concern wasn't their safety and well-being. It was the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but my prayer is that may the same be said of us. May the same be said of EFC. May the same be said of every Christian here in New England, across the United States, and across the globe. May our greatest passion and our greatest focus and our greatest priority always be the gospel and the glory of God before all else. And then we can, without a shadow of a doubt, trust that our well-being is held in God's hands. Okay, so then we have here, so we have first unity, second praise, empowered witness, and then Uh, Fourth here, they asked God to demonstrate his might. They said, God, would you perform signs, miracles, and wonders? God, would you heal people? God, would you do something that would be so miraculous, so amazing, so off the map that people would say the only way to explain that is that God did that? And so they prayed that God would demonstrate his might. So what's the bottom line? What's the takeaway? Here's the idea I want us to to really just sit with this week and really just let God just work deeply into our hearts this week. When under pressure, pray powerfully. When under pressure, pray powerfully. When under pressure, pray 
powerfully. And frankly, I don't know anyone right now in our globe who's not under pressure. And so every follower of Jesus Christ, we need to go to a different level of prayer. We need to learn how to pray powerfully. And so let's go back uh, just quickly through these four prayer points that we'll have uh, these four different characteristics because that's what it means to pray powerfully, okay? To pray powerfully. First, unity. First is unity. They prayed together in one voice. So first off, EFC, let's be praying together. Those of you that belong to EFC, and even if you don't belong to EFC, we've got this amazing thing called Zoom. We can take up to 100 people. We're having prayer uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon to 1230. Contact the church office. Go to the website, efcnewport.com. Call the church. Leave a message. Email the church. Tell us you want to be part of our uh, the people that are gathering to pray Monday, Wednesday, Friday, noon, to 1230, okay? We just had our first meeting this past Wednesday. We had about five people. Man, we were praying up a storm. So join us. That's one way when we can't all be together in person, we can still pray together as one. And even if we can't be together as one, pray what the early church prayed. Prayed, Pray for boldness. Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come upon EFC and every Christian everywhere that we will be a bold witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that God will do an amazing thing so that the Holy Spirit will show up in a big way and that God will shake every place that we pray. Amen? Okay, B, praise God. B, powerful prayer is not just unified prayer. Secondly, um, it is praising prayer. Um, Pray and sing God's praises in your house, man. Put on Christian music. We need Christian music now more than ever on Spotify, on YouTube, on Pandora, on whatever, whatever, whatever. Put on praise music in your house, man, and blast it, okay? Blast it. We need to change the atmosphere in our homes away from being, you know, frustrated with being self-contained and stuck indoors and I've been with this person too much for too many days in a row. Uh, Put on the praise music and sing along, man. Uh, Just start belting out the praise. That will change the atmosphere in your home. It will make you more grateful. It will make you more filled with awe and wonder and just praise God, okay? So powerful prayer or to pray powerfully is unified prayer. It's praising prayer. Uh, C, it's, it's asking to be empowered. Um, every time you pray, say, Holy Spirit, come upon me, fill me to overflowing, empower me, God. I need more of your power. I need more of your fruit of the Spirit. I want to walk with the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I don't want to quench the Spirit. Um, God, I need more of your Holy Spirit now, uh, more than ever. Give me more of your Holy Spirit. Just pour out your Spirit in a po- powerful, mighty way. Make me more aware of your Spirit. I was in my community group just a couple days ago, and someone said that they've now become more aware of the the um, inward uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, is literally praying on her behalf. That was a really powerful moment. I'm praying for more of those testimonies. So ask God to empower you um, with, through the Holy Spirit and to therefore share the gospel uh, boldly. Let's all be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. And then uh, fourth here, uh, when we pray powerfully, we pray in a united way with others. We praise God. We pray for God to empower us, empower our witness, to give us more of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to reveal his mighty hand. Ask God to send upon you and your family, your neighbors, your friends, your loved ones, signs, wonders, and miracles. Okay, this is what they asked for in their prayer. This is a divinely inspired prayer, which therefore means we're to emulate this prayer. And so let's pray every time we pray to ask God to perform miracles 
in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and to radically uh, save people. And so again, bottom line, the takeaway, when under pressure, when you and I are under pressure, pray powerfully. Okay, here's the application. Here's the application. Uh, First off, if you're listening to this and you have not believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I've got to be honest. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Our Our whole nation, our whole world has been turned upside down. People are getting COVID-19. And I'm not saying this to be alarmist. I'm just telling you the facts. If, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what are you waiting for? If you want to have the assurance of when you die, whenever that day comes, that you will go into heaven and spend eternity in the loving presence of Jesus Christ and all of his saints, you need to believe in him right now, like right now. I want you to pray Romans chapter 10, verse 9. All you have to do is say aloud, I confess you, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I am saved. Turn away from your sin, confess Jesus is Lord, believe that he died on the cross from your sins, and believe God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. If you just prayed that prayer, reach out to EFC, call the church office, um, email the church office, let us know so we can follow up with you. Anytime someone comes to God and believes in him, it says all of heaven rejoices. Heaven throws the biggest party ever, ever heard of, ever seen when a sinner comes home and believes in Jesus Christ. If you just prayed, the biggest party ever is going on in heaven. We want to know about it. So let us know. Second, if you're a seeker, if you're some, or not a seeker, uh, pardon me, if you are what we call a prodigal, when you were younger, maybe when you were a kid or a teenager, you went to college and you believed in Jesus, but you've stopped practicing your faith. You no longer pray. You no longer read the Bible. You no longer affiliate and are committed to a local body of believers. It's time for you to come home. You've got to come home. What are you waiting for? Jesus is waiting for you with open arms. Jesus is looking for you on the horizon. Just like in Luke 15, when the, when the young son uh, was uh, just slinking along, his, his head down, and he, he was so scared and, and, and ashamed and wondering what the father was going to do when he came home from the far country, and he'd squandered the father's wealth, and he'd burned every bridge, and he came home, and what we're told is the father lifted up his robe, and he ran to his son as fast as he could, and he wrapped his arms around him and just, just smothered him in kisses and just cried and wept with joy, and he threw the biggest party. He killed the fattened calf. That's exactly what Jesus will do. If you'll come home to him right now, please come home to him right now and have the assurance that God will fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and give you that courage and that boldness that you and I know you need. And then third, for every Christian out there, for for those here at EFC that are Christians or those that are out there listening to this, pray and ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pray and, and give more of your life over so that the Holy Spirit will just fill you to overflowing and that you will get a holy boldness, that you will get a courage that you do not have right now. You and I cannot go forward with a bright, shining, bold witness if we don't ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing and give us greater courage. And so ask God for more courage. Ask God for more of the Holy Spirit and ask God for the boldness to share the gospel. In fact, I want to challenge you. Between now and next Sunday, I want you to pray and ask God and say, God, show me someone that I know, a friend, family, a family member, a neighbor, someone who doesn't know Jesus. And God, give me the boldness to text them, to call them, to direct message them, and to tell them the gospel. 
and then reach out to them and, and just call them to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's nothing to lose. If, if they're enduring all of this without Jesus, I can't even imagine how terrifying that is. I mean, it's scary for many of us who are Christians who've walked with Jesus for many years. And so with holy boldness, even today, even as I'm listening, God is going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring a name to mind, a face to your mind. And you need to, after this service, you need to call them, text them. If it's burning in your heart, if your heart is thumping in your chest, call them right now. Text them right now. Direct message them right now and tell them about Jesus. You have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. They have everything to gain. Call them home to the Savior. And then if they believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, again, reach out, let me know, so that we can follow up with them. Because we know this is part of the great move of God. We believe by faith that the, the, the seed of the gospel, that is the, the DNA, the virus of revival, I believe is going to spread faster than COVID-19. In fact, I believe that's why God is allowing us to go into this season of deprivation and hardship and isolation so that revival will spread throughout the land and across the globe and that none of us will ever be the same because God allowed us to face this hardship and we cried out to him in our time of desperation. Do not waste this pain. Do not waste this suffering. Do not waste this isolation. But turn to Jesus or share the gospel with someone else so that they too can believe in Jesus. Again, as I go into closing in prayer, remember that when under pressure, pray powerfully. Pray as the church in Acts 4 showed us to pray. Let's pray right now. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we want the boldness of the early church. We want the courage of the early church. We want you to send the Holy Spirit on us, and we want every place that we pray to be shaken and that it will never be the same. And so, God, we thank you. We relinquish our lives to you. We surrender all that we are to you. Every man, woman, and child be filled with the Holy Spirit as you turn over your entire life to Jesus. And may God's kingdom just explode outward and become totally contagious. God, we're going to give you all the glory for the great things that you have done. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And now as we start to wrap up here, now is the time and the service as we do at EFC. Uh, before we were EFC online uh, every Sunday, we do this every Sunday under normal course of events, but we take the offering. And so the uh, offering is um, now to be taken all online since we're not gathered together. And so I want to assure you that every cent that you give to the church is well accounted for. It's distributed to the ministries of the church. It's given so that every man, woman, and child affiliated with this church will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it goes to support our missionaries in at least 13 countries across four different continents. And so when you give, you are literally empowering others to continue to spread the gospel throughout Jesus Christ across the globe and of course here in Newport County in the region known as New England. And so there's three different ways I encourage you to give today. I encourage you uh, to give through our website. You can set up automated giving there at efcnewport.com slash giving. It'll just take you three or four minutes to go up and, and sign up there to give weekly or twice a month or maybe once a month, whatever works best for you. Uh, secondly, you can uh, text to give um, and you can basically... Um, I think you just text uh, EFC Give or what is it? Give EFC, I think. Um, uh, this information is on our website, by the way, uh, under the giving section. But basically, I think it's uh, 
Uh, basically, just give TFC and it's 77977. Okay, 77977. Uh, give EFC or EFC Give. You can find that on our website, efcnewport.com, or you can download the EFC Newport app. And uh, if you go to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, type in EFC Newport, Evangelical Friends Church of Newport. Take one minute to download it, one minute to set up. Just touch the giving button and you'll set up giving. And that will allow our ministry here online and all the other ministries that we have going uh, to stay well-funded. So thank you. Remember, this is an act of worship. This is an act of trust. This is an act of courage and boldness. Now, as we close today, thank you so much for gathering with us. Thank you so much for being with us. I want to continue to encourage you to share these videos. I want to encourage you to like these videos if you find them on social media. And we know that God's going to do a great thing. Continue to to notify any of our church staff to call the church office or to email the church office the great things that God is doing so we can give him the praise here in our Sunday morning services. And now as we close May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you an uncommon courage and boldness. May he fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that you will share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead with every person that you come in contact with. God bless you and we'll see you soon.